We are in lesson five. Let me get organized here. Get my phone out of the way. We are in lesson five, and we are in Titus, uh, and we're studying verses 13 through 16. I think Mike said, hey, it's always good to go through the verses. So I always agree with that and usually go through them too. So uh, it's on the top of your lesson. You can follow along. Titus 1, 13 through 16. This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths um, and to the pure. I don't know. To the pure, all things are pure. I think that a chunk is missing there, actually. Yeah. Yeah. To, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both. Both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but their deeds, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedience and worthless for any good deed. I think I wiped it out when I was doing this lesson. That that section of the scripture I know wasn't there. So uh, we just started uh, uh, on question one. The word refute found in verse nine, and the word reprove in verse thirteen. Both translate the same Greek word. What is the difference in the context? And so we just basically started on that, um, where we uh, read in, in I read 7 through 9, uh, where in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. So basically the principle, and this was... Um, in context with the with the elders, uh, qualifications for the elders, where what their their uh, role is to be, but by extension, it's for us also. Um, so we see, uh, in contrast with the first response, be exhorting in sound doctrine. So we have to have the basis of sound doctrine to be able to refute. Um, if you if you don't have sound doctrine. What are you refuting <laughs> based on your own your own earthly wisdom or something else? If you're not if you're not based in or grounded in the word, how can you refute somebody? And that's that's a key. And that's for an elder. But again, uh, it's for us, too. How do you if somebody contradicts the word, how do you uh, refute them if you can't draw them to scripture or to what God's word is? You just can't. Or, or it's going to be misleading. <laughs> you're going to be almost in the same boat that they are. That they are, you know, you're not, you're not in accordance with the word. If you're not in accordance with the word, your refuting is not worth it. So, again, I think the uh, the key is first knowing God's word, being grounded in in God's word. So, um, so I also <laughs> I went to this. I think I just got to the part where I think Wanda used to hate. When I went to either Zodiades or Webster's Dictionary, she always was thrilled when I did that. So I always, whenever I do this, I keep thinking of her and looking at me with a stern look. Um, so I went to Webster's Dictionary to see what refute means. To, to prove wrong by argument or evidence. Show to be false or erroneous. To deny the truth or accuracy of. So I thought those were pretty good in uh, what we're talking about here. So I, I basically said, how effective or correct can you refute someone if you do not accurately know God's word? Kind of going back to you have to be grounded in it. Um, and I thought that was interesting that in Webster's it was refuting based on accuracy. So it fits fits the biblical uh, uh, sense of, of refuting. 
But to further uh, irritate Wanda wherever she is, I went to Zodiati's on that to uh, to see what the the word is. And this is again the same word; it's just different um, um, breakouts of it. And I, if I could say, it's L Eng Co L Eng Eng Co, which Zodiati's defines as of uncertain affinity to confute, admonish on the King James. Version convict, convince, tell a fault, rebuke, or reprove. So again, that that word is the same in in each one of them. But I, I did notice, uh, it, you know, is there a difference between those in refuting and and um, reproving? And and really, I, could you see any difference before I kind of get into what I think is is helpful? Did you see anything between refute and reprove differences? Just from the context. In the amplified on page nine, it says contradicting to convince. Reprove them severely. So yeah, just a, a little different. So I, I guess any, anybody else thoughts before I. I think it's the Greeky part which is kind of helps me, help me at least figure it out a little bit. Donnie, you have, looks like. Well, I'm interested. Oh, okay. All right. So, so in verse nine, the, it, really looking at it breaking down on the Greek, it's kind of interesting. The verb ten, uh, verb is present tense, active voice, and hadn't seen this much, infinitive mood. So, had to, had to go back to actually, your mom's list that I have in my Bible and I have on here too. It was great. She has that great cheat sheet on uh, on that, and because I hadn't I hadn't really seen infinitive very often, and so um, if you break it down, uh, that means that we, active voice, are to continuously the present tense, uh, and and the infinitive is to it means with purpose, statement of purpose at least. So. We, we are to continuously, with the purpose of refuting, convicting, convincing those people who contradict God's word. So it's a little bit different than what we'll see on the on the second one, where that word is used. So I thought this was with the, this is with purpose. The per, for the elders and for us by extension, we are to by our purpose is to refute them or to convince them. You know. That they're wrong, that it's, they're, they're interpreting scripture wrong. That's the purpose is to refute, convince, or convict them of, of their error. So, so that, that's, um, on the, uh, on the first one in verse nine where we refute. Now we get into reprove. So, uh, uh, in, I, I, for context, I go to verse 10, starting at verse 10 and we'll read through, uh, 14. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things that you should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. We went over that in Mike's lesson last week. One of, one of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments and, and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. 
So I went back to uh, Webster's again just to see what reprove means uh, in in the dic- dictionary. So Webster has it this way, to scold or correct, usually gently or with kindly intent. Interesting. Or the second is to express disapproval, censure. So <laughs> do you think those fit? Either Not one of those. Verse has reproved them severely. <laughs> That's what I was wondering when I read this. It's like with kind, kindness, gentleness, with kind intent. Then you read this as I reprove them severely. So a little bit off off of what Webster has for the uh, definition. Um, but I also I also look at the definition of censure that in the Webster's uh, uh, f- uh, for this for reprove means to censure. You think that fits? Yeah. Silence him. Yeah. <laughs> Said to silence him. Yeah. So again, if you look at, I, you know, I basically said from verse 10 we get, especially those of the circumcision who must be silenced, censured. Also from verse 12 we get a not glorious description of the Cretans. Then from verse 13, for this reason reprove them severely. That is, that's a little bit different than the Webster. Scold them with kindly intent. So, I guess you would you would do that with, you know, I think of some in the elders or how you address somebody. You you you're doing it to to uh, bring them back. You're not to you know. So I, so I can kind of see the kindly intent, even though it says severely. You, what your purpose is is to bring them back to the to the word and and to the foundation. Of God's word, so I can kind of see how Webster, you know, even though we're severe, it's done in love to bring them back. If it, it and we'll get to it. Who are they too? We'll get to that part of it in a minute. Yeah, Did you talk about the severely part, like that word. I didn't. I, okay, so I just didn't want to jump ahead. I, 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 I didn't really. I looked at it and it, it, the I, I can pull up Zodiades. I, I did look at it, and I, I, and I kind of got it is with. Strong or, you know. Just to cut off severely, abruptly, curtly. Yeah. In a manner that cuts, cutting off. Right. It's, it's, it's almost like I'm cutting you off right now to tell you the truth. Right. Yeah. I, and I guess I looked at it and it was kind of like similar to what we're, we're saying. It's to, you know, shut them down. And, and, uh, again, I guess what I backed off with censure was kind of in that, that saying, you censure. Censure means you're, you can't, don't speak anymore. Right. We we don't listen to you anymore. So yeah, severely was was kind of kind of the oomph to the dictionary said critically. Critically, I don't mean it. It makes sense. Right? Yeah, it's, it's not in. I don't know that it's used that way in the Greek, but abruptly cut off. Like I'm, so, I imagine that working out in real life, right? So you got someone who takes issue with the gospel message or whatever. Um, and they're doing it in front of the families and the church members. Right. And you say, no, wait a minute. The word, because that's what, that's what we're seeing here in, um, verse 13. Right. Is that this testimony is true. So first of all, it's not my testimony. I'm an ambassador here, but this has to be stopped. We can't speak this way because this testimony of the scripture says this and it's inconsistent with what you're teaching the rest of these families are speaking about, right? So it's a, so there is a severeness to the extent of which they continue, right? 
Yeah. Well, that, again, that's kind of, I, I looked at both of them, but it, it, what I thought was from the censure. Censure means, <laughs> you know, if you're censured in the, in the legislature, can you speak anymore? You're cut off. <clears throat> and so, yeah, the severely part of it matches that, but I, I did look at that, but it was kind of, um, it is. And, and the other that you bring up for it though is you've got to, you've got to know the scripture in order to do that. And that's what the, when you go back to the elders in the first part, seven through nine, is that the elders have to be grounded in the word in order to refute, reprove. We do too. So by, again, by extension, even though this is for qualifications of an elder, for Titus to address these lazy, glutton, beast, evil Cretans, you know, he, he has to address them severely. When they, when they walk off and go this way, shut it down. And, and, and base it on scripture. And I think you, I think to your point earlier, you can shut down false teaching with gentleness and respect. Yeah. But it still needs to be abruptly done in this case. Right. And, and I think you, that's my point. Do it. But if it comes to the point where they continue, you know, you, you, they have to be removed. You know, you do it in love. And that's why I think, I think the Webster is kind of was kind of answering with kindly intent. I think that's the start of it and kind of intent to bring them back to the word. But if they don't, if it escalates, it, watch out. that's that severe, severe and censure. You know, you can't say this here. You can't, you know, be out in the parking lot or being, you know, upsetting. And it, going back to the whole thing in the context of this, upsetting whole families and all that. If you're out there in a busy body or you're, you're going to people's homes and spreading this as an elder, you have to stop that immediately. And if you're, you know, out there talking to somebody and they're telling somebody completely opposite the scripture, it's incumbent upon us to say no. <laughs> and here's the scripture, our basis for it, to <laughs> stop you from spreading this and bring you back with the intent of bringing you back. I think it's like a parent sometimes. Sometimes you don't even want to tell them why. You just say you have to stop now. <laughs> Not talking about it anymore. <laughs> it's done. I, th- I think that, and it's out of love, of course. Love. Out of love, yes. So, a- anyway, so anyway, I, I did look at. It's kind of interesting. Remember, I said, on the first part was uh, infinitive. In verse 13, uh, the verb is in present tense, active, imperative. Again, so it's a little different on this one. So it means we, again, active, are commanded, the imperative mood, um, to continuously, the present tense, reprove the, those people who contradict God's word. So it's a command. It is, you know, not with a purpose. I think the first one is with the purpose of trying to bring them back. This is... <laughs> You do this. You don't let it continue. You don't let it go on. You severely censure them. So again, I thought it was an interesting one just on, on, just from the Greek tense, the, the two different uses of the word. So any other thoughts? Yeah, I kind of, it's kind of very interesting. I, I think, um, I noticed different things culturally where I, uh, go, um, and, and visit and, and, uh, you know, as compared to here and different, different cultures have different, uh, um, tolerances for, uh, you know, things like, you know, uh, abrupt, abrupt remarks or, or that sort of thing. Did you visit yeah. New Jersey? <laughs> Did you visit New Jersey or New, New York? Jersey? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, no, I just, I just, I just noticed it. So I'm just kind of curious what, you know, but, but it seems that Paul had to, uh, be pretty clear with Titus. That this is going to 
offend people. This is going to this is going to be a little bit cutting when you um, when you have to abruptly um, you know refute somebody. And he had to be he had to be encouraged in that that yeah it is for the it is for the good it is for the purpose that they may be sound in the faith, but um, it's going to be severe and you're not going to necessarily um, feel great and wonderful about having to do this, but it's a necessary thing for the, for the good. So I it's, it's, it's um, yeah, interesting that way. Just, yeah. And I think, I think it's kind of the, the, again, looking at the Greek tense, two different ways. One with the purpose of reproving the second one is done, <laughs> you know, harder, harder censure, you know, stop it. And I, and it's after, you know, addressing the Cretans too, these lazy, evil, nasty people, they're not going to, you know, don't let them go off the rails very far. Shut it down. Yeah. Here's, here's maybe what I was trying to get at is saying, like, in the Canadian culture, people are very um, sensitive. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> you can't say much without offending someone pretty, you know. Um, and so everybody's, like, treading on eggshells. J.D. could tell you if that's true about being in Canada. I don't know. It's just we, we tend to have this very, you know, we talk about the polite Canadian because we don't. We just won't say things like it is. We're just very like we, we ed- go around the edges of things all the time. And so, I, I mean, you would definitely have to, um, in, in, in our cultural context, you'd kind of have to tell someone. Sometimes you're just going to have to say it like it is, and, you know, on the basis of Scripture. This is, you know, and, it's, and people will be offended, but it's for the, for, you know, the right purpose, if that makes sense. Well, I, I, I think this fits, that, you know, it may be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know that that it's it, that you have to do this. And again, looking at the the Greek tense, it's a command. <laughs> I didn't want to offend him, so I just let him go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's telling you no. The statement is you're commanded to do this, and so that's where I think you know it. it you're gonna offend people, and I should probably get into my offending what <laughs> what offending means, but um, the. Uh, I, I do that. Neckle gets back at me all the time on that one. He always gets me. Um, so, uh, well, I have to do it now. I think. So, a guy told me years and thirty years ago, forty years ago, and it's helped me immensely. Is in <laughs> offending people, you choose to be offended. It's your choice. If I say something to you, it's your choice to be offended. So if I'm offended, that's my choice. You can do anything you want to me. You can scream at me. You can tell me I'm an idiot. You can tell me, and, and I, it's my ultimate choice to be offended. So that really helps because a lot of times when somebody does something and you're offended, they go off and they're fine. You're the one burning inside because you, you chose to be offended. Choose not to be offended and your life goes so much easier. Just don't choose to be offended because it's an active choice of, of you, uh, choosing not, you know, choosing to be offended. So, uh, <laughs> it's a life lesson if you do that. Um, so when somebody miles you address them, it's their choice to be offended. You know, and even though you're sensitive and want to be loving, they're choosing to be offended. It's their mm-hmm. active choice to be offended. And so you, in 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 accordance with scripture are doing what you should be if they're offended they choose to be offended about it so mm-hmm. you do things in love obviously you know you're doing it in love and with the purpose of love if you're doing it out of malice that's obviously wrong 
but uh, you choose. It, it's your active choice to be offended. So when you're offended, just remember that's your choice. So that's my my morale builder, tear down whatever. I don't know. That's my my life lesson that I learned many years ago, and it's helped me. If you don't choose to be offended, it's a whole lot easier in life. And again, you're you're the one burning, and the person who offended you is off having a great time. So, okay. Um, question two: What is the <laughs> what is the reference of the pronoun them? So, from verse thirteen, this testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them. <laughs> so, my wife can probably attest to. I, how many times do you hear people say, well, you know what they say, or, you know, they wouldn't do that, or or whatever. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Well, they wouldn't do that. Well, who are they? Who is they? I think it's the same people put those lights in your view of the mountain. That's true. <laughs> but I know who they are. I do know who they are. <laughs> it's the amorphous... They, you know, I, I just drives me nuts. I, I have a few things that irritate me, and I choose to be offended. No, no, I guess I, <laughs> I didn't mean that at all. <laughs> but, but it, it is the, you know, the, it's kind of funny way. If you ever hear that, it just bothers me when, well, they wouldn't do that. Who are they? Are they behind me? Who, who are they? So this is a little different. We have an actual them and what it means. So. Um, so the question is, who are they? Your thoughts. Who are they? So, um, this testament is true for, for this reason, reprove them. Who are the them? At verse 10, basically. Okay. Go ahead and read it. Sure. For, for there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. Okay. Any other thoughts? Well, they're false, false in, in their teaching, so they're liars. <laughs> yeah. Given their greetings. Yeah. Okay. Other thoughts? Could it be the people who receive the word? I was going to mention that, you know, Paul would, he would go to, uh, on his missionary journeys, He'd go to the synagogues, and then he would tell them the truth about faith in Jesus alone saves you. And then he would start just hitting his head against the wall, so he'd say, I'm done with you, I'm going to the Gentiles. <laughs> and uh, in one of the cities, he went to a building next nearby and just started a church there and just started teaching. And so at some point it's sort of like, I'm done. Your heads are too thick. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with them. <laughs> yeah, I'm done with, with them. So, um, Mike actually had his notes, which I, I, we'll, we'll get through. And he had two different aspects of it. Either, um, that they were the people receiving the word or the actual teachers of the word. So, uh, referencing Constable, he said, Paul evidently believed that these bad qualities mark the false teachers, especially. Therefore, he charged Titus to reprimand them severely. 
Failure to confront problems within the church, whether theologically or practically based, may be indicative of a basic indifference with regard to God's truth or nurturing of truly Christian relationships. The fear of giving offense, we just talked about that, and a highly individualized view of personal faith may discourage church leaders from following the biblical mandate to rebuke. Kind of what we were just talking about, Miles. <laughs> the restoration that is possible both in fellowship and in sound doctrines is compromised by this reluctance to confront. Loving, sensitive, yet firm confrontation can result in stronger relationships and restored unity or perhaps a needed purging of those who deny the truth. That's all the things we've been talking about. You do it in love. You try it with the purpose of bringing them back to God's word. If not censured, you, you, you stop them. <clears throat> McCauley has this. Because of the intended results, i.e., that they may be sound in the faith, it is best to refer the pronoun to the potential audience of the false teachers. This positive aim will involve a negative achievement, drawing attention away from myths and commandments of men. So, after listening to both arguments, does they refer to false teachers or to those who would be an audience who would receive the teaching? Change anybody's mind listening to either Macaulay or think it's false teachers? Yeah, I can kind of see how it could be both. I'm not sure which one. Okay. I think it's interesting if, if it, let's say it's the false teachers. What's the purpose of uh, reprimanding false teachers? Why would you do that? To bring them back. But what if they, if if they're Jewish, and they're not believers, they're just the kind of guys that go around following Paul around to refute whatever he's doing, then uh, you're not going to bring them back. Right. But that that's that's. Assuming that they're not believers. Right. If these are Jewish believers returning to the Jewish customs, myths, and that, then it's... Maybe. Well, yeah, that's... So... Yeah. Uh, verse 15 help us with that? In other words, something way ahead there. But, go ahead. Uh, just the unbelieving, um, the defiled and unbelieving. I'm just trying to make sure that that's connected. Yeah. It's not an additional thought, but obviously they're paying attention to Jewish and myths commandments, moving <laughs> away from the truth. I don't know if that's... Like the the faith, or like, well, I'm not sure what truth that fully is. To, to the, the gospel, or yeah, good. Well, uh, a whole book was written to uh, Jews who were Christians to to warn them not to go back to Judaism, and gave all the you know salient arguments not why not to go there. Um. But at the same time, you know, these people that followed Paul around from town to town, right, and that they were Jewish zealots who didn't believe what he was teaching, and that uh, they were, in essence, persecuting him. Those people, you're not going to change their mind. I don't think. Maybe you do. Uh, does, does Paul tell... Titus to stand up to those guys and get in their face a little bit about what they're teaching, or is, I would think the focus would be more on the, the believers, either, well, believers who were beginning to buy into what they were saying, yeah. 
or um, a warning that you know don't listen to those people. Yeah, I kind of I kind of felt kind of in the middle. You know, I I, I felt more with Constable that this was again this was all about the false teachers that it was he, they are the false teachers. I didn't see as much the connection to those who received the word, but it be, because if you uh, with with the the direction, remember right before this is these are Cretans, liars, lazy beasts, and all that. So to me, the focus is on those guys that it's saying, "Hey, these are the false teachers. That's they." So I fall much more into the category of of Cospel saying. I'm because he's all the things about what in the first verses seven through nine where he's addressing as elders you're you're addressing uh, and contra- those people who contradict refute re- reform mm-hmm. that's about the teachers to me I think right. and then like I said right before this is those those horrible Cretans they and so I, I it may not be with the intent of their their believers that's a whole different question right. <laughs> whether they're believers or not. If they're if they're not believers, you censure them and you try and give them the gospel or bring them to to Christ. But you know, and then also for us to today, you know, who who would who would we be addressing? You know, with the application for today, who would we be addressing? I, I think we'd be after the legalists, the, the teachers. Yeah, we would be. Yeah, these are wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. They are. They're in the fam, they're in family environments, they're in the church environment. Right. Um, I, I think Timothy helps us a little bit. Yep. The parallel passage, the time will come when they will not endure. Meaning they were enduring it for, at least they were entertaining something for a right. while. They were enduring sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. And these are those Jewish myths. Mm-hmm. They're talking about, so we've used the term like professing believers before. Yeah. Um, and this is not going into a reformed, are you saved or not? This is, hey, we're going to, we're going to sit in your class. We're going to go along with the things that you're saying until it gets to a certain point. <laughs> and then we're going to pull off part of the herd. Yeah. And out of the flock. And we're going separate to them separate them and start to indoctrinate them in these myths and getting them back to what their heritage and their culture is all about and using, you know, unsound methods to do that, but it's familiar to them. So it's like, yeah. hey, this is the Jewish stuff. We, this is comfortable. I think these sound, or these uh, false teachers or professing, you know, Christians potentially even never really believe, never were believers. They were just waiting for their opportunity to pounce and separate yeah. them. Portion of the so bringing it back up to contemporary, you know, again, who who would we be addressing here? I think I think that's kind of where I fall into a little bit of both, in that you address the teachers who are separating the sheep and and doing that, but you also have to go to that those families and all that, and if they're now suddenly expounding on these incorrect things, you're addressing them too. So the people who heard and are misled. So I kind of go to both both sides of this. I think Titus is really talking more to the false teachers because, like in, in Titus ten and eleven, again, this is right before uh, this is for for there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things that they should not teach, 
for the sake of sordid gain. So I, I still think the majority of his focus is on the teachers. These are the guys who are separating sheep. These are the ones who are mis- upsetting whole families. You know, so I, I, I can see by extension a little bit of the, us, the people who receive the false teaching, but I think the, the focus here is mainly on those, those false teachers. So. I, I was going to say, I think it's interesting to see the twofold effect of, uh, uh, clarity on the word of God. You know, there, there are those, those who are, are, uh, the, the deceivers and the, the, uh, um, the empty talkers, re- rebels, the rebellious men; those those ones are going to be silenced. And then there are those who are the the deceived uh, listeners, who are going to be uh, exhorted back to sound faith. So it's kind of interesting. You, just, you see, the scripture is the dividing line that that you know it has, but it has that that effect on both sides. I think. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I, like I said, I think that's more, the false teachers you have to address, but then. You know, they have sown the seed of, of incorrect scripture. That's where they now start spreading it, not knowing the correct thing. So that's why I kind of fall into yet. Yeah, it, it may address both, both audiences that they, once those people who have been misled are off here and, you know, upsetting families, they're the ones who are going to upset more families. So they have to be addressed too. So I think it's kind of, it can be both on this one. Same and today and contemporary, I think it's the same. I want to mention too that uh, Constable brought up, which I thought was a really good point. The fear to give offense prevents uh, the responsibility of a leader to address the issue. That he might offend somebody if he does address the issue, so he lets it go. Right, and absolutely the wrong thing. And and I think you, you boy, you can see it today in contemporary Christianity that. We don't we don't want to offend anybody, so uh, we let we let this uh, cancer come in, and we try to smooth it over or compromise it. When in fact, the responsibility, especially of the leaders, and notice that he says in uh, verse fourteen, yeah. not paying attention to Jewish myths. Gee, that sounds like Reformed theology, right? Uh, and to those or and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. Well, you got to do this, you got to, it's legalism. Right. you got to confront it. Uh, well, yeah, and I, you know, Miles, I think in Canada, you're going to have to get those sensitive Canadians, you know, <laughs> you're going you're to have to confront them, you know, and, and it's it's the same here. We, we're maybe not quite as, you know, maybe we're a little more bold, but uh, it's the same, same command, and it's a command. Yeah. You know, we that's... We don't go get in our cars and go down to the Covenant Church and right. disrupt that place and, and right. tell them, you know, you're teaching error here. It's not that. It's a body of believers. You know, I listened. It's interesting. Uh, this week I was listening to Macaulay in the Book of Acts, Chapter 2. <laughs> he made an interesting comment that I've never thought of before. He said that there was... When you go through Acts, you don't see any cases of evangelism. The church didn't evangelize. It was God who added the people. It wasn't their effort to evangelize. And that every church was a home thing. Acts 2.42. Yeah. And, and you can see that, that playing out here. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that 
the thing that's powerful is God's word, not the fact that you're an evangelist. Right. Well, that goes with Corinthians with Paul, Paul watered and, you know, planted, Paul planted, Apollos watered and God created the growth. The focus, the focus is no matter where you go is always on the clarity of God's word. What does it say? (laughs) This is repeating everything. Remember what starts is what the whole question number one was. It's based on sound doctrine. Yeah. If you don't have sound doctrine, you're one of these guys, false teachers. And so, yeah, you know, I I think it still goes back to that fact. You have to know God's word. Um, You can't reprove or refute anybody if you don't have the right words. I know. I know. (laughs) I was hoping to get through more. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't want to start question two or three. We're, we're blazing along. Yes, this will be November of 24 or whatever when we're, when we finish this, this lesson, but, uh. Miles, don't be in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. You got time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's close. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you again just for, uh, sound doctrine. And we pray that each and every one of us, uh, know your word. And, uh, truthfully, truthfully, uh, divide that word and, and, uh, see what your word truthfully says and that we are accurately defining that, uh, defining that word and, uh, we rely solely upon the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, uh, uh enlightenment of, of your word and just to convince and convict us of the truths of your word. So we, uh, we pray that we are on sound doctrine when we confront people. And, uh, again, we just, uh, rely upon you ultimately to direct us, uh, in those, uh, uh meetings that we have or confronting false teachers that, uh, you have prepared us, uh, through, uh, sound doctrine to refute and, and reprove those who, uh, teach false doctrine. So we just, uh, thank you again for this time. And again, we just, uh, ask for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We will, uh, we'll blaze on to question three next week.